I'm just going to tell you, I'll be honest with you. And um, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I thought about you while I was gone because I did not. And I, and I asked God to help me with that because that's always been a problem. It's having the church so much weighted down in your heart when you go places. I said, God, I just need to really get away. And I didn't realize how much I needed to get away until we got away. And, you know, and I said something. I said, you know, I said the last vacation I had was about um, seven years ago. But the more I really thought about it, the last vacation I had without going with people from the church or people I worked with was 24 years ago. And I didn't realize how much I needed to just get away with my family. So I encourage you, when you have time to just get away, get away. Get refreshed. Get those times. Don't think about me when you're gone. I won't be mad at you. Don't be mad at me. I'll pray for you. And I'm glad that some of you guys prayed for us that we didn't get wiped out in those big storms. Um, But I'll be honest with you. Cruising is very awesome. It is. It's amazing. We ended up, we couldn't go to all those islands that got wiped out by the storms, but we did go to Cozumel. And we did go to Belize. We went to Roatan, Honduras. And then we went to the Grand Caymans. Now at the Grand Caymans, what was so awesome is they have a town there called Hell. So I've been to Hell. And I've come back to tell you about it. (laughs) You know, so it was just, it was amazing. I had a great time. I got to spend some time with some very, very dear friends of mine I went to Bible college with. They live in Miami. And uh, Conrad and Carmen Lloyd. And uh, it was just a real blessing to be able to be with them. I hadn't seen them in years. And. Uh, it, it was just amazing, and I want to thank you all for letting me come. I want to thank you for allowing Jeff to come here and minister. Isn't Jeff awesome? I mean, he is. And then Patrick Sutherland, who came from Canaan Land Ministry, and uh, they were uh, roommates in Bible college. We all we all were actually the, the same church together. I was on staff at the church, and uh, Jeff worked for me, and then Patrick was uh, he was a member. But and you could just see how people that we've been involved with how they're how they're doing in ministry and how awesome it is. Um, so anyway, let's just go ahead. We're going to continue on from where we left off. And what I'm attempting to do right now is answer questions. So um, every year what I'm going to start doing is I'm going to start answering questions, some of the most uh, popular questions that people have. And the first set of questions that we went into was change because so many people have a problem with change. It's hard to change or different things. And so we went through that. We went through reasons why it's so hard to change and then how to change. So if you did not see that, hear that, or whatever, uh, and you want a copy of that, uh, we should have a thing out there to sign up. We will give it to you for free. It doesn't cost you a thing. We want to put something in you instead of take something from you. Then the next thing as we got into, the next question was stress. So many people are dealing with things, you know, the economy, uh, job loss, just all kinds of things. And we got into stress and how to have peace in the times of stress, how to have rest. Because, you know, the Bible is real clear that you're going to have hard times. You know, some, the church has said, oh man, you must be in some type of sin. But that's not true because Jesus said this. Jesus said in Matthew chapter uh, 7, uh, in around verse 24, he was talking about, you know, that there are going to be people that hear my word. And when they hear my word, there's going to be people who don't listen or obey what I've told them. The storms are going to come, 
And when they come, they're not going to stand because they're on the sand and they're not on the rock. Then there's going to be those people that they're standing on the rock. So these are the people that are actually standing on the Word of God, who we know are not in sin, according to this scripture. He said the storms are going to come. And when they come, they're going to beat on that house. The shingles and stuff might come off or you might have have a, a, a few loose edges here. But that house is going to stand because they're standing on the rock. I'm not telling you that the storms aren't going to come. I'm going to tell you that when you're standing on the rock, you can have peace in the middle of the storm. So then today, we're going to talk about biblical parenting. And some of you might be saying, well, I've already done that. No, you need it. Because you didn't do it right. How do you know? Because I didn't do it right. And I'm not the mama. You know? I mean, I, I, I noticed some things and I've learned some things over the years. And just because your kids are grown up or you don't have kids doesn't mean that this message is not for you. About a week or so, something like that ago, I was, I was sitting down with uh, Pat Sneed and I were talking. And we were talking about messages. He said, it's funny. He said, I can talk to people in the church and everybody got something different from a message that you spoke and it might have not have been anything of what you talked about. In other words, if you come here expecting God to speak to you, He will. I can say yabba-dabba-do and that's not what you hear. The Holy Spirit turns around and touches your heart and speaks into your life. And that's what it's about. Amen? In Proverbs chapter 24 and verse number 3, it says this. It takes wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. It takes wisdom to have a good family. And it takes understanding to make it strong. You know, when my kids were born, I was at the hospital all through all of them. I cut the umbilical cord with Alexa because they tricked me. They tricked you. Yeah, I said, I don't do that stuff, right? But, you know, you're in shock and awe when you're in there. You're, she's going, push, push. You know, I mean, you, you kind of like get in shock and awe in this stuff if you're in there. And, well, the guy said something to me. I'd been up half the night, all night. And uh, he handed, the doctor handed me the, the scissors, put them in my hand, and put, said, cut right here. He said, your insurance doesn't cover this. I didn't even think about what he said. I just cut I said, that joker. So anyway, I've been in the hospital with all three of my children at their birth. And not one time as we left the hospital, because insurance companies want to get you out quickly, not one time did we get a manual to tell us how to raise these kids. It, it was shock and awe. <laughs> Trust me. It was crazy. And, and so what happened is we were basically on our own. And what I've learned is this, and this is, this is not in your notes, but this is going to be on the board. There's three basic types of parenting. Now, the first type of parenting that we have, it's authoritarian. You can write that down. Authoritarian. I thought I had it on the, on the other notes. And what this style is, is this style, it's do it or else. I brought you into this world, I take you out and I make another one just like you. 
Y'all know what I'm talking about. That's authoritarian. Most of people a little older than myself, actually pretty much all of them a little older than myself, were brought up authoritarian. Then what, hap- what happens in this thing, it's obedience they're more concerned about than anything else. And it's good for a child to obey, but the problem in this style of parenting is they neglect to teach them to make right decisions. They only teach them how to obey. That's why when they go out on their own, they make bad decisions. Because all they knew how to do was obey. The next type of parenting came along in the 60s. There where I was born in, but I was raised by an authoritarian. Um, So this type of parenting is called permissive. Now, permissive, this is where you want your kids to like you. You want your kids to be your buddy. These are the types of parents that brought us the participation trophies. How stupid can we be and still breathe? We need to teach our kids how to fail so they can succeed. Anyway, I mean this, I'll be honest with you, this is, these are the hippie kids. This is, this is kind of how we, these are, these are the parents who believe that if they give you enough affirmation, you're going to have good behavior. And these are the type of parents who think that your bad behavior is cute. It's not cute. Ouch, man, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church. In this type of parenting, people think by nature their children are good. And by nature, people go bad because nature is not good. If it's godly nature, it's good. But we don't have godly nature in our society. We have worldly nature, and it's not good. And it would, they would be good by nature if it was godly nature they were being raised up in. Totally different. And all you have to do is take a look around today at these kids, and it hasn't turned out too good. I mean, you could look at statistics and everything. You could say, oh, my kid's different. They fooled you. They have. I'm just, I'm just being real. Their friends know it. You just don't know it. So the parenting that I would like to recommend today is not the parenting that I personally did, but the parenting I wish I would have done. And that's called biblical parenting. And biblical parenting isn't where you're an authoritarian and you just try to beat them into submission because that's authoritarian parenting. That's a, people called that biblical parenting, but that was not biblical parenting at all. Biblical parenting, the, is, the goal is to put enough morals and values that it trains the heart of the child so that way they make right decisions. Does that sound good? That's, that's biblical parenting. It trains the heart. The test of this parenting is this, is when a child has to make a decision, do they make the right one? Anyway, 
Because what happens is when you condition the heart with godly morals and values and the heart is conditioned to make the right decisions, even if they make the right one, the wrong one, it was mistakenly they turn quickly because they've learned how to repent. Man, it's still quite parenting. I'm telling you, parenting is a tough topic, but you know what? It's the number three asked question on the most difficult questions to answer is parenting. Number three. So what happens is, because we're not putting morals and values and we're not putting godly principles inside, in, inside of our kids until a problem arises, because that's usually when we do it. Oh, the problem arises. Oh, let's put the fire out now. No, 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 no. If you prepare for the fire, you might not have a fire. Or if it pops up, you handle it quickly. You don't even have to call 911 because you're not freaked out. You know how to control it. So if we're constantly talking about and constantly putting things into our children, they'll know how to handle life through God's Word. You know the problem with the children? You really want to know? They don't love God's Word. Do you know why? Because we don't love God's Word. See, what we try to do is we try to chase excitement and entertainment. And if we're not being entertained, then we fizz out, we we burn out. That's because we're not in love with God's Word. Do you know when you're in love with someone, when you're in love with something and you're totally in love, it doesn't matter what happens, you're blinded to everything else around you. You know how I can tell when somebody's not in love with God's Word? They're negative. Because God is not negative, God is positive. God doesn't look at the uh, worst in people. He looks at the best in people. He sees things beyond our reasoning. He speaks life. Death and life is in the power of the tongue, and He knows, and He speaks life into each and every one of us, whether we're responding that way or not. So, if you find that yourself is a negative person, you're probably not in love with the Word of God like you should be. Because the Word of God will take negativity out. In the Bible, there's only one verse that describes Jesus from the time he was 12 till the time he was 30 in raising as a child and everything. Only, only one verse. Hey, well, why, why isn't there so many verses? How come that That was not the important thing. But do you realize, I'm going to tell you, this verse is so important. That if you study this verse out and you raise your children to this verse right here, what will happen is you'll, you'll raise them under biblical principles. Luke chapter 2, verse number 52, it says this. And Jesus grew in wisdom. Everyone say wisdom. And stature. Everyone say stature. And in favor with God and man. This is how Jesus grew. He grew in wisdom, in stature, and favor with God and man. Now, you know, this verse doesn't look like much. But if you really take a look at it, and this is what we're going to take a look at right now, we're going to take a look at this a little closer. And the first thing is Jesus grew in number one. You can write it down. He grew in wisdom. Wisdom. What does wisdom mean? 
It doesn't mean he went to public school or private school and he got an education and book knowledge. That's not what that means. It means, and you can write this one down, teach them to fear God. That word fear does not mean be terrified. But in churches we've beat people up. God's going to get you for that. That's not what that word means. The fear of the Lord literally means, it means a worshipful respect and reverence for God. Teach them to have a worshipful respect and reverence for God. This next verse is not in my notes, just write it down. Proverbs 9.10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So we need to honor and respect God in everything that we do. When we come to church, we need to honor and respect God. When we're in our homes, we need to honor and respect God. What we need to be doing is we need to be constantly honoring and respecting God. Psalms 34.11 says, Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the Fear of the Lord. That's what we need to teach them. The fear of the Lord will teach them wisdom. If we're not teaching them the fear of the Lord, we're not teaching them wisdom. We're not giving them the wisdom they need to succeed. I want to take a look at some trends. And they'll throw this on the board because I believe I gave it to them. And the first trend is called builders. And the builders trend is if you're born from 1927 to 1945, 65% of these people are Bible-based believers. Okay? 65%. The next set of people are boomers. Everybody say boomers. Boomers are who's running our country now. They're born from 1946 to 1964. Only 35% of them are Bible-based believers. The next group of people that have come out are called busters. Busters were born from 1965 to 1983. 16% of these people are Bible-based believers. Then you have the last one. They're called bridgers. Millennials. And these people here, they were born from 1984 to the present only 4% of these people are Bible-based believers. Back to what I've been telling people all along, the problem is, is, is not the children, it's us. We're not getting our children in love with the Word because, we're not in love, because only 16% of the people that are in my era are in love with the Word. This is not worldly and unworldly. This is everybody as a whole. This is church and unchurch people. So that means church people, very few people in church love the word. That's the problem. Do you realize when Peter spoke the word of God, they didn't have a worship team going, Oh, fly away, oh, glory. They didn't have that. Peter was speaking the word, and as he spoke the word, the Holy Ghost came upon them, 
and moved upon them because the people were in love with the word. The problem in church is we're trying to get entertained and entertainment won't change you. It's the word that changes you. If you don't fall in love with the word, you're never going to change. That's the bottom line. You have to be in love with the word. I've heard people tell me, oh, pastor, it's, it's so hard to pick up the Bible and read. That's because you're not in love with the word. But I love Jesus. You don't. You say you love Jesus. But your heart is far from him. Because when you open up the word, and you're so passionate about the word, you love Jesus because he is the word. When you go into the Word, you should get life. And if you're not getting life from the Word, there's something wrong and there's something dead on the inside. And, and you need to go get a root canal or something. You have to have some major surgery done. You, you have to just let it all out and pour it out to God and say, God, forgive me, help me, I need you. Cry out to Him with everything that you have. When you cry out to him, he's going to hear you. He's going to listen to you. And he's going to show up every time. Because he loves you. Talking about biblical parenting. This country was strong when 65% of our nation were Bible-based believers. We take a look right now. We're being run by a 35% Bible-based Where do you think the country's going? So what we need to do is we need to raise up a generation of people. We need to speak to these four percenters. And we need to get them in love with the Word. We need to get encouraged ourselves. We need to stir up the very faith of God on the inside of us. We need to be hungry and thirsty for God again because if we're hungering and thirsting, the Bible says that we'll be full. We'll be satisfied. He will satisfy that hunger. He will satisfy that, that thirst on the inside. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7 says, The commandments that I give you today are, are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk, of the, talk about them when you sit at home. When you sit at home, don't talk about cheerleading. Baseball, football. Talk about the commandments. I'm not saying thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt. The commandments of the Lord is love. He said all the commandments hang on this. Love your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Talk about love. Talk about the very love and nature of God. And continue showing and talking about the love of God. And write that on your children's hearts. And it says, and when you walk along the road, talk about these things. And when you lie down and when you get up, talk about these things. So continually talk about these things. Why are people not in love with the Word? Because we're not talking about the Word. We're not getting into the Word. So what we need to do is we need to train our young people in wisdom. We need to teach them how to fear the Lord. That means to honor God. 
And then what we need to do is we need to teach them how to accept the Bible as truth. Amen? When Jesus grew, He grew in another thing. He grew in what's called stature. Number two, stature. And stature, this is not talking about lifting weights and bodybuilding and and all these other things, uh, healthy eating. What this is talking about, this is talking about growing in your purpose in life and learning of your purpose in life. When you know what your purpose in life is, then all of a sudden you've you've got direction. You've got motivation. You've got stature. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul put it this way in Acts 20, 24. He said, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. There's a call. There's a plan. There's a purpose. There's a destiny on your life. God has something for you to do. He's got, he's got a call for you to do. So the next thing that we need to do is we need to, and this is in your notes, help them discover their purpose. We need to help people discover their purpose, help our children discover their purpose. You know, I've always told my kids that God has a plan for them, and God has a call for them, and God has a destiny for them. And you know, my daughter, my middle child, Alexa, who was singing up here this morning, she's 25 years old, she's been married what is it, seven, going on seven years now? Six years this month, so, set, so you'll be working on your seventh year after, after this month. And, and she's married. Um, she lives outside the house. She does not have to be here. I don't make her come, although I'd like to. But she comes because in her heart, she knows she's supposed to be here. My son, who's playing the guitar, he doesn't live at the house either. He comes because he wants to. As a matter of fact, last night, he, he decided he didn't really want to make the drive, so he decided that he wanted to stay the night at the house, so he stayed the night at the house just so he could make it to church on time. That's stature. I'm telling you, when we take a look at this, the, 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 one of the greatest things that you could ever do with a, with a child, and we need to do that here, is send them out on a missions trip. Not just another youth camp, but a missions trip. Get them out there where they're with hurting people and they're helping hurting people and they're being a part of something greater than themselves with a bigger purpose. And what happens is they catch on fire. And what you're doing is you're, is you're helping them find their purpose. And then when you help them find their purpose, then what happens is this is the next thing you do. You pray for divine favor on their life. Now what I do with my kids, and I do this with my kids and my wife, and I do this just about every day. I pray the Ephesians prayer. I say, Father, I pray for my children. I mention them individually. I pray... I pray individually. I pray for my son-in-law. I pray for Daniel, who's, who's another one of my sons. I pray, I pray for all of them individually. My wife, I pray for wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus. That the eyes of their understanding be enlightened to the hope of His calling. That they know the riches of His glory and the exceeding greatness of His power that works towards us who believe. Father, 
Fill them with might in the inner man. Let them know the love of God that passes all understanding. Let them know the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and the fullness of your love. Father, I thank you for protecting them today. I thank you for giving them wisdom today. Father, I thank you for bringing people across their paths today to encourage them. Father, I thank you for bringing people across their paths today so they can help encourage them. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray that daily. I say about daily, but it's pretty much daily. If, if I forget, it's very rare. I've done that for quite a few years. I've done that ever since I've left Ramah. Well, maybe not with my son-in-law, but with my direct family. I've done that ever since. Daily. It's a constant thing. And I don't do that because it's religious. I do it because I really want God to do great things in their lives. I really believe that God is in control of everything. And I want them to allow God to be in control of their lives. As a matter of fact, that's what I pray for the church. That same prayer. I pray for the church all the time. So I'm praying for you. The biggest thing that you can help kids find their purpose, or the the greatest hindrance, should I say, to kids finding their purpose, is relationships is the greatest hindrance. So what we need to do to help them is we need to help them choose relationships carefully. One of the worst things I've done as a father is I I let my kids choose their friends. I should have never done that. That sounds so harsh. No, it's not. The Bible talks about friends, and it talks about companions. talks about don't be unequally yoked, the Bible talks about, because God knows better than you and I. God, matter of fact, they're not your kids. They're His. And until you come to a realization that they're His kids, you're going to raise them like they're your kids, and if you're going to raise them like your kids, you're going to mess them up. I'm not saying you don't love them. You love them in a worldly way. But in a godly way is when you really give it up for him. And you really, you really do it the right way. And I'll tell you, what's the point in this? So the point is this. If you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. If you want to know why you're not where you should be in life, it's because you didn't have the right friends. You didn't have the right acquaintances. You didn't yoke up with the people that you were supposed to yoke up with. That's why you're at where you're at. And all we do is teach our children to do the same thing. Man, this is probably the quietest I think I've heard this church ever. Lord, I know it's not a hellfire brimstone message. I'm really trying to help you. And the thing is, is if you are not a parent right now, and you're going to be one, this is really, really, really going to help. If you are a parent, this is really helping. And if you are not a parent anymore, or you are, but your kids are adults, it's going to help you install wisdom into your children still and into your grandchildren. Because this is what we need to do. So we need to help them grow in wisdom. Uh, uh, we need to help them grow in stature, you know, or purpose. And then number, number three is Jesus grew with favor with man. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. What? 
consider others better than yourselves. If you considered others better than yourselves, you wouldn't complain about them. They wouldn't bother you. Because you're considering them better than yourself. The reason why you complain about them is because you think you're better than them. And we're not. Not one of us is better than anybody else. We're on equal playing ground. I'm going to give you three rules that you can use, and if you use these in your home, it'll help you think of others or treat others better than yourself. Uh, the first one is this, is honesty. You need to be honest. You need to be honest with your kids. Your kids need to be honest with you because if you're not honest, you're not going to accomplish anything. If your children are lying to you, it's not going to work. And if you're teaching your children how to lie because you're lying to them, it's not going to work. Honesty. Because if it's not honest, then you don't have a real relationship. Real relationship always is stable through honesty. Kids aren't going to be perfect. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to make bad choices. But you need to let them know that if they're honest with you, the consequences might not be as severe, probably won't be as severe as if they're dishonest. If they're dishonest, then the consequences are definitely going to be more severe because they're dishonest. But if they're honest with you, as a matter of fact, some things you might even laugh about because they were honest with you. You're thinking, man, I wouldn't have told my parents that. <laughs> you know? I mean, you, you just might laugh. Especially when they're real small. But, you know, you want to you instill honesty in them as, as they're growing because, because without, without it, you don't have a relationship and there's nothing you can do in helping them. Then the next rule is this, honor. We need to teach our children honor. You know, people, kids don't know honor anymore. We honor people and we honor things. Well, things are nothing. That's the problem. And that's why you treat people stuff like nothing. You need to honor people and honor things. Why do I, well, how do I honor things? I take care of the stuff that's in my hands. I don't let it go to waste. I don't mess it up. That's honor. And I honor people. And when you honor people, what happens is automatically you go to the third rule and what happens is you, it's called respect. Respect always comes from honor. Do you know that we have probably the most disrespectful people on the planet are in the United States of America and on cruise ships? I'm telling you, those people on the cruise ship that weren't from America... I thought I was in hell. <laughs> but we need to teach people honor so that way they have respect. And, and the thing is, is, is when we take a look at this, Jesus grew in number one, he grew in wisdom. Then he grew, which is a worshipful reverence for the Father. Then number two, he grew in stature. And that means he, he knew what his purpose was. He went for his purpose. And number three, he grew in favor with, with man. In other words, he put others before himself. And then number four, he grew in favor with God. And what does that mean? That means what Jesus did is he strengthened his spirit. He strengthened the inner man of the heart. He strengthened the, the spirit man on the inside. And you don't strengthen the spirit man on the inside by going to the gym. You don't strengthen the spirit man on the inside by going to a basketball game. 
you strengthen the inside by developing the Spirit of God in, in a few ways. The first way that you do this is, is I'm going to give you three ways. Number one is make Jesus the Lord of your home. You want to strengthen the inner man of the heart? Make him the Lord of your home. Well, well, what do you mean make him the Lord of my home? That means when you get up in the morning, talk to him and talk about him. That means pray. That means read your Bible. It means give. It means tithe. It means go to church. Aren't giving and tithing the same thing? No, they're not. Giving can be at church, and giving can be everywhere else. It's just a part of your life. You live to give. Tithing is nowhere else but church. And what tithing, well, you know, I'll take my tithe and I'll go feed the hungry. No, that's giving. Because you have to know what the purpose is. The purpose for a tithe is to take care of the storehouse. The purpose for giving is to take care of whatever God tells us to take care of. Two different purposes. They mean two different things. And, and I need to explain that because I've had people tell me, well, I'll tithe my time. You can't. There are 168 hours every week. A tithe is a 10% of an increase. There will never be 169 hours in any week. You'll never have an increase of time. Time is always the same. But your bank account fluctuates, like your wallet, like anything else. It fluctuates. You have an increase. If you have a farm, you have fruits, you have vegetables, you have, that's an increase. And, the, and that's what the Bible's talking about. So if we understand what it's talking about, then, we, then what we do is, is we respond to what we understand according to the Word. See, I remember growing up, and I had a hard time with that tithing thing because I, you know, I had people convince me that I can tithe my time. So I gave all this time to the church, but I, but I couldn't afford to pay my bills. I was having a hard time paying my bills. And then when we understood the tithing thing, we've not, we've not, not tithed at all. And it's not that we don't run into rocky times. All our bills are always paid, though. And we always eat. We've never gone without. But that's also because when we tithe, we didn't spend foolishly. See, because you say, oh, I tithe. How come that? Did you go to McDonald's? Well, you know, everybody goes to McDonald's. Maybe you needed to cut it out today. Maybe that cell phone you really don't need right now. You know, we didn't have cell phones when I grew up. You don't know that Comcast that you're paying 200 bucks a month on? Yeah. And all you're doing is watching garbage anyway. You know what I'm saying? Garbage in, garbage out. So in my house, we didn't hunt, we didn't fish, we didn't ride motorcycles on Sunday morning. We went to church. Now, Sunday afternoon, you do whatever you want as long as there wasn't church that evening. There was church that evening, we stayed until that evening, and we, went, we didn't get home until 11, 12 o'clock at night. Oh, man, that's so late, Dan. We did it every week. And we loved it because we love God. Whole different mentality. 
So we didn't worship bass boats and we didn't worship things. We just worshiped God. Joshua 24, 15 says, Choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. That is for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, we need to be people of faith by what we do, not just by what we say. You know, all the time, have you ever heard the thing, well, don't do as I do, do as I say. Well, duh, they're going to do what you do. Because this is what they're thinking. Well, when I get old enough, I'm going to do that. Well, what they were doing was wrong. We wonder why kids are hypocrites. We wonder why people are hypocrites. Because we are. We're teaching them. Okay, next thing. First of all, make Jesus Lord uh, of the home. Next thing is show them my love for God. So show them your love for God. So what we need to do is we need to be the spiritual model in the household and show them passionate Christianity. I'm so glad Alexa, you know, did what she did with that video because we never talk about, you know, what I'm going to talk about or anything like that. Or I don't discuss that with anybody. As a matter of fact, they're probably, they probably get frustrated at me in the sound booth because I don't send them the, the notes until late Saturday night or early Sunday morning. So they don't, they don't have time to figure things out. That's just how I am. And so she, she, she shows this thing. That was passion. We, as parents, grandparents, as leaders, as adults, we need to show our children passionate Christianity because they are only going to be as passionate as we are. We had some Marines up here this morning. The few, the proud. We should have the army up here. Every single person that can get up, that can stand up. And you know, there's some people that that they can't stand. There's some people, and I understand that. But everybody should be coming up together. As a matter of fact, the adults should be leading the way. We shouldn't be waiting for kids to do it because we should be showing the kids how to do it. The kids started doing it when they came back from camp. Then we had a few kids come up today because they were at something yesterday where they got fired up. Well, it's time that we start living this passionate life before these kids. And we start showing them because we don't want them to be four percenters. And they're going to be four percenters if we don't show them the truth. Uh, Proverbs 14.26 in the Living Bible says, Reverence for the Lord gives a man deep strength. His children have a place of refuge and security. That just tells me what I just said. Children only love God to the degree that we show them how to love God. 1 Corinthians 11.1 says this, Imitate me, this is the Apostle Paul, just as I also imitate Christ. So our goal is to imitate Christ in love. And to show the love of God everywhere we go. That is our goal. Let's imitate Him in the very love of Him. And last but not least, if you're going to have a spiritual home, if you're going to have favor with God, now you need to be like Jesus in every situation. I'm going to tell you, my home is not perfect. I don't act like Jesus in everything that I do, but I would love to. But the thing of it is, is in every situation, we need to act like Jesus. We need to respond like Jesus because we are teaching our children how to respond. Let me give you some examples. 